0: Hey guys, this is Ashley coming at you from the future. I forgot to put a content warning at the top of the episode, so that's what I'm doing now. This episode contains mention of child abuse, torture, and just everything generally fucked up that you can imagine. So, listener discretion is advised.
1: Welcome to Rabbit Hole Happy Hour. I'm Mallory. I'm Ashley. <laughs> I don't like the way I said that, but that's okay. Um, you can start over. No, it's all good. We're just gonna read. We're just gonna keep rolling. We're gonna roll with it, yeah. This week we've all been traveling a lot. It's been a crazy couple weeks. It's wanna... a crazy couple weeks. I feel like Do every we say time that every it's time? Like, yes. Oh my god. I just
0: have too much shite going on. I think these past couple weeks have actually been crazy
1: yeah for me anyway yeah what have you been up to went to florida um for a short actually your trip was shorter than mine but Mm -hmm. um just we flew out on monday and flew back on wednesday um just for a wedding and got to go to the beach which was good and the pool at our airbnb the pool Water was like 9,000 degrees. Ew. It felt bad at first. (laughs) But I stayed in there because I didn't want to go back inside yet because it was going to be freezing. Anyway. Felt um, like
0: piss? Yes,
1: it did feel like piss. Oh, no. (laughs) But every day this week, um, since I got back, I've been going to my apartment pool. Ooh. Yeah, and putting on SPF fifty. (laughs) Because I burn so bad. Putting on SPF 50 into your eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Into my eyeballs. And one day, I put on a lot of sunscreen, and it got into my eyes, I think. And I could barely open them, and I was crying for, like, an hour until I got into the shower. Oh, man. I don't know why I dealt with it that long. There's literally
0: nothing worse than sunscreen in your eye.
1: I decided to buy... mineral sunscreen so because every time I put sunscreen on it my eyes water anyway Mm
0: -hmm.
1: so I tried that out on Friday and it worked better and I didn't have any eye irritation
0: is that the kind that just like doesn't rub in and you're just like white yes
1: (laughs) I mean I didn't stay like totally white it was my skin looked lighter but it doesn't rub in and you like feel greasy oh okay it's really kind of annoying but it's better than crying for five hours, so. Nice. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, I had two trips that were under 24 hours each. Two? Yeah. So I went to my sister's graduation. Oh. She graduated from PA school. That's so She crazy. got her master's. That's yeah. crazy. So proud of her. Shout out to Britton. Yay. Congrats, girl. Hire her if you're in the Atlanta area and you need a PA. And then I just got back from Jacksonville. We had a funeral for my aunt. So it was a lovely service, but yeah, it was a lot of traveling, quick, fast traveling. Yeah. Did you have plane farters? I didn't have plane farters. Oh my God. No plane farters, but thankfully the flight was only like 45 minutes long
1: yeah ours was only like an hour and 20 minutes actually on the way there we had to like circle above tampa for some reason for like 30 minutes and then we were able to fly into fort lauderdale but
0: but you had farters on your plane i
1: had farters on my plane there and on the way back and atlanta terminal a smells like someone died I think that's where
0: I was. It smells so bad. No, I was in, I think, Terminal E. Is Terminal A the in, in um, international terminal? No. It, okay. I think that's T. I was in one that had a lot of interest. Anyway, no one cares. Well, yeah. So,
1: anyway, I was triggered by smells, like, the entire fucking trip. But...
0: Well, I also developed, I think it was a stomach virus on oh. Wednesday. I was at work, and I just was so nauseous all day long I thought like I thought I was just having anxiety because my husband was also traveling and um Wednesday is the day we go into the office and I had to get my son ready for school and I had to get myself ready for work and be there on time and uh, yeah. I was super anxious and I like was so nauseous on the drive there that I like couldn't even listen to music or podcasts oh or my anything God. and um like at work I couldn't even really talk to anyone I just like sat there and did my work um and then when I got home I was sick. And uh Did you yeah. throw up. I threw up. <laughs> I threw up mommy. mommy threw up. <laughs> um luckily I don't think anyone caught anything from me so that's good. That's good. But I think I must Stomach have got it from suck. someone at like my son's school maybe. Yeah. But... Well it's like
1: a petri dish. <laughs> it's schools anyway so it's
0: definitely going around though because my um sister-in-law got it on the way to the service and they actually had to turn oh, around and they couldn't no. even go
1: oh my god yeah, she's
0: like throwing up in the car shout out to sam she listens oh I'm i sorry, hope you're feeling sam. better sam um yeah so it's been going around yeah speaking of
1: family went to a birthday party today totally forgot that it was today and my mom texted me at like three fifteen and was like are you on your way and I was like oh no but shout out to my cousin Jesse who <laughs> was listening to the podcast too I'm so sorry I was asleep for like three hours and woke up and then woke up to that text and I was like no <laughs> oh, I'm already late so yeah that was my day today
0: rushing yeah so we're definitely happy that it's time for cocktails yes and time for story times yes speaking of which we have um well it's kind of like a late update because this happened maybe last
1: week or so it happened like the day after we were oh yeah it did it happened before our episode came out actually oh yeah it
0: happened Sunday or something yeah (gasps) so yeah you guys probably all heard about Vicky and Casey White Mm -hmm. getting caught
1: yeah that was so crazy. In I,
0: Illinois?
1: No, in Indiana. Indiana. I was looking at the Facebook group I'm a part of. And somebody was like, I just heard on the police scanner that they just said that there's a male in custody and the female shot herself. And everyone was like, Oh my god, I wonder if it's them. And I was like, No way, it's them. This has got to be something else. Oh. And it ended up being them. Oh my god. Um. So yeah, like, apparently, they were at a it wasn't. It's not a Motel 6 anymore, but they were at a hotel that used to be a Motel 6 in Evansville, Indiana. Mm-hmm. And there, how did the car... Oh, they had left a truck at, at the a car, car wash. wash. Why did they do that? I think to get rid of it. And so that it would be towed away quickly because it was obstructing the... I mean, it was in a slot. Yeah. I don't know any other reason why they would leave it in the actual car wash Like, Bay, Yeah. Anyway, I think that guy had called the police. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how they... Do you know how they figured out that they were in the Cadillac? I think Solomon saw them coming out of
0: the motel. Okay.
1: Because, yeah, that part is fuzzy to me. I'm not sure how they... But anyway, they saw them coming out of the motel and get in the Cadillac. And then it was like a four-minute police pursuit. And the cops rammed the car off the road. And then... Vicky shot herself. Well, first they called 911 somehow. Like somehow they called 911. And I'm I thought it was like OnStar that called 911, mm-hmm. but people are saying that there has to be an active subscription and it doesn't call 911, it calls OnStar who calls
0: 911. Mm. I've heard that some phones have like a a function that like if it senses that it's been in a bad car wreck it'll just automatically oh, dial nine one one. I think it's like the pixel. Oh um, interesting. Certain phones I think have that. So maybe that's what happened.
1: Yeah, that could be. Because I don't know why she would have called nine one one and not spoken directly to them. Yeah. She didn't say a word to the nine one one operator.
0: I feel really bad for her. Yeah. I mean, in her family, Mm -hmm. um, I think she was just like taken advantage of as like a lonely, this is just my opinion, but like just as a a lonely older woman who's been like single for a long time. Yes. That's just all speculation, but that's the vibe I got.
1: I tend to agree with you because just from personal experience with my mom being a desperate, um, (laughs) uh, lonely older woman. (laughs) Things can get out of hand very quickly. <laughs> so um, I I kind of am on that side too. Um, and there's still speculation as to whether she actually shot herself or if Casey shot her. Yeah. But there's like body cam footage of them arresting Casey and them pulling her out of the car. There was one. I didn't watch it. I don't know why I didn't watch this. But somebody said that there was another one released that showed that the car had already been pushed into the ditch, Mm -hmm. and then the gunshot went off because the cops, like, duck.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. I think I heard somewhere that his hands were, like, out of the vehicle. Yes. And then the the shot went out.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: Oh, God, what a piece of shit.
1: It's crazy.
0: Yeah, nuts. And
1: and he kept calling her his wife to the cops. Yeah. and Which was weird because they're not married, and how could they have gotten married after they ran, like, and are mm-hmm. trying to hide from people. And then um, when they were arresting him, he also kept saying that he did not kill Connie Ridgway.
0: But he admitted to that before. He admitted
1: to it. But people are speculating that he admitted to it to get moved to the facility where Vicky was.
0: Oh. Huh. So maybe they knew each other before?
1: I guess. I don't know how they...
0: You know, this is all like hearsay, but I also heard that... <laughs> um, like their distant relatives like through marriage like maybe he, he was related to her ex-husband oh what and they like knew each other like
1: maybe know. his her ex-husband was like a meth dealer or something oh like that. really yeah
0: god um but some people that worked with her said that it didn't surprise them
1: Oh, really? Because I've heard the total opposite. Yeah, I've heard both, yeah. but
0: like, I was surprised that some people said that. Yeah. Also, I wonder how often cops fall in love with their inmates. I know. I want to know that, too. I know. I wish I could be like a, I don't know, like a spy and just <laughs> get all the details. Yeah, same here. Anyway.
1: Well, what are we drinking tonight,
0: Ashley? We are drinking a Moscow Mule. Which is uh, two ounces vodka, a half of a lime squeezed, and then dropped into the drink, and then add um, six ounces of ginger beer. And I'm gonna tell you why in a second. But first, this story was a request from a listener. Yes. Um, from our Facebook group. Shout out to our Rabbit Hole Happy Hour Facebook group. Um, we're also pretty active on Instagram, so if you'd like to follow us, it's at Rabbit Hole Happy Hour. But this person recommended that we pick up the book If You Tell by Greg Olson, and that is the only source that I am using for this story. There wasn't much else out there about this case, and if there was, it was all referencing this book, although there is a snapped episode. So this book, If You Tell, was released in November of 2019 and was written based on two years' worth of interviews. So tonight, I'm going to be discussing the devastating and unbelievable story of Shelly Notech, a mother who somehow managed to hide decades of abuse, a mother who would go on to be called a serial killer, a psychopath, a master manipulator, and a sadist. The family of Shelly reached out to Greg Olson, wanting to share their story to bring awareness to Shelly's patterns and behavior, because... Shelly Notech will be released from prison in June of this year. Oh my God. 2022.
1: Oh my God. Oh my God.
0: Yeah. They wanted everyone to be aware of the person that will be rejoining our society in like less than a month.
1: Oh my God. I'm scared.
0: So I bet you're all wondering why a Moscow Mule? Well, <laughs> I picked this drink because Shelly is a known ginger uh. and uh, Moscow Mules Use ginger beer. <laughs> that was the only reason? Yes. <laughs> nice. I was like, I don't know what to do here. Yeah. <laughs> so, Shelly is a redhead and she's also an Aries, so I'm scared. Oh boy. Also, is someone going to come for me for stereotyping redheads? My brother.
1: Just kidding. <laughs> no. <laughs> Also, if she's getting out of prison this year. We
0: may be... I'm already scared since she's getting. I don't even know anything about her. Oh, also, I wanted to let you know that when I was on the plane about to take off for Jacksonville, I ordered these cups on Amazon. Oh, really? And by the time I landed, they were delivered at my house. What? Yes. How? Amazon. That's I guess there's like a they're at a facility nearby or something. Damn. So, shall we talk about Shelley? Yes, I'm ready. Okay. This is going to be long guys. All right. Michelle Lynn Watson was born on April 15th, 1954 to parents, Les and Sharon Watson. They had three kids and a tumultuous marriage, which is a theme in this episode. They divorced shortly after the third was born and Sharon left with the three kids and moved to California. Les stayed back home in battleground, Washington. He was popular around the area. He was a former athlete, a charmer, and was referred to as a master of BS. Hmm. His family owned two nursing homes, which he helped run, and he also owned a popular bowling alley called the Tiger Bowl. And this was all around in the, like, the 50s. Okay. This is where he would meet Laura. Laura had just finished up high school and was working at the Tiger Bowl to save up for school. Les immediately pursued Laura. He was 10 years older than her, although he lied and said he was only four years older. Oh, boy. Sketchy. (laughs) Yeah. Only a few days after they were married, Laura was jolted into reality after her new husband received a phone call. It was his OG wife, Sharon, calling from California. She asked when Les was going to come and get his damn kids. (laughs) Apparently, Les promised he'd raise their children, but never told Laura about this. Sharon was a depressive and an alcoholic and living a dangerous lifestyle. Kids were no longer conducive to her vibe. Mm. So Laura agreed to take in the children. Well, what an angel. I know. A beautiful, beautiful angel. She was only like 18. Oh my God. 19, 19 years old. That's crazy. And he's like 30. Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. So she's taking in these three kids. So it was 1960. Shelley was six and Chuck was three when they moved in. Sharon kept the third child, the infant Paul. Once she dropped the children off, they never heard from her again. So the, wow. the little one, Chuck, never spoke and Shelly did all the talking for him. She controlled the little boy and would speak for him. As Shelly became comfortable with her surroundings, her true nature started to reveal itself. And that nature was a straight-up demon child. Oh, my God. She told her stepmother, that darling angel, Laura, that she hated her every single day. Oh, nice. But things were only going to get more hectic for this young stepmother of two. In the spring of 1967, a homicide detective showed up at Les and Laura's door. What? Sharon had been brutally murdered and they needed someone to come identify the body and to pick up her little boy, Paul.
1: Oh my God. Yes. Oh my God.
0: What? She was leading some kind of life out there. Um, Wow. Les and Laura made the trip to California to pick up Paul and ID the body. And that's where Les learned that Sharon was homeless and living with her boyfriend in a seedy motel on Skid Row. She was beaten to death by her boyfriend. None of her family even wanted her remains. Wow. 13-year-old Shelly barely had a reaction toward her mother's death. One has to wonder, what did these children go through during their life with their mother, Sharon? Yeah. The youngest, Paul, who was with her when she was murdered, he was wild. He had no social skills, and he carried around a switchblade. Um, and ho- wait, how old? He must have been like Six. So, oh my God, a
1: six-year-old with a switchblade. Yeah.
0: So it was thought that maybe she was a sex worker at this time. Like, yeah. But she was, you know, living out of these motels and was an alcoholic and just not not doing well. Yeah. So Chuck, the middle child, was a loner. He didn't speak, but Shelley was the most difficult of them all. Really? Yeah. If something wasn't Shelley's idea, it was a no go if she didn't get her way, she'd find a way to get it. She was very crafty. Laura did all she could to make life easier for Shelly, but she was always angry. Nothing was good enough for her. Nothing satisfied her. As she grew up, her behavior wasn't merely annoying and disruptive. It was dark and vengeful. Her stepmother recounts how Shelley used to smash up bits of glass and put it in her little brother's shoes. Oh my God! I know. What the fuck? That's horrible. I know. It was not difficult to pinpoint where Shelley could learn such a thing. Les's mother, Grandma Anna, was a large woman, like a Miss Trunchbull type. Yeah, you know, from Matilda.
1: Yeah, like a, like a bulldog. Woman. Yeah.
0: She ran one of the Watsons' nursing homes. George, her husband. Was the exact opposite. He was a sweet, agreeable man. He would do whatever Anna asked him. For more than 20 years, Anna made her husband sleep in an 8x8 shed in the backyard.
1: (gasps) What? (laughs) Can you believe that?
0: Oh my god. No. What is (sighs) wrong with her? She insisted that he stay there. And he was just so sweet and obedient and did as she asked.
1: Oh, poor man.
0: Anna, you know, she worked at the nursing home. She owned it. She abused her employees. Um, She ordered everyone around her and even had them do chores at her home.
1: Oh, my God.
0: She'd order them to stop what they were doing, to wash her feet, or... What? Other humiliating tasks. And if they didn't move fast enough, Anna would resort to violence. Punching, kicking, and hair pulling were all on the table. One time... Anna flushed a woman's head in the toilet repeatedly. Oh my God. You can kill somebody by doing that. I know. Everyone was afraid of Anna. Everyone except Shelly. Shelly idolized her. Oh my God. Grandma Anna knew what was best for everyone and what was best for Shelly. And what was best for Shelly was a haircut. Anna chopped all of Shelly's long, beautiful red hair off and blamed Laura for not brushing it correctly.
1: So she wow. basically, when
0: Laura came to pick Shelly up, she had done a hack job, like a violent hack job on her hair. And it looked totally ridiculous. And Laura was just like, what the hell did you do? And grandma Anna was just like, you don't brush it correctly. So I had to cut it. Ugh, so what a she? devil woman. She knew that her blaming Laura would make Shelly hate her even more. So yeah. it was a very manipulative move on her part. Yeah. One day, when Shelley was 15, she didn't come home from school. Laura was worried and called the principal. She learned that Shelley had been taken to a juvenile detention center. Apparently, she was taken there to get away from what she was experiencing at home. The principal wouldn't say any more, and Laura and Les rushed to the detention center, where they were told they couldn't see Shelley because there was an open investigation. Shelly said her father had raped her. Oh my god. They could not believe she had gone this far. This was a straight up lie, plain and simple. They called their family doctor to come to the local hospital to have her examined. Meanwhile, Laura and Les went home and Laura looked through Shelly's room, trying to find any clues as to why she would say something like this. Yeah. In between the mattress and the box spring, she found a true confessions magazine that said, In quotes, My father raped me at 15 on the cover. The magazine was bookmarked on that article. They assumed that's where she got the idea. The doctor found that Shelly hadn't been touched at all and showed no signs of sexual abuse. There was nothing to suggest that what she said was true. The superintendent at the detention center said that Shelly needed some serious counseling. Yeah, no kidding. But Shelly wasn't sorry. She reveled in the attention she received. Shelley's school refused to accept her back after her lie, and other schools denied her as well. Eventually, they found a spot for Shelley in Hoodsport, Washington, living with Laura's parents. They quickly learned to walk on eggshells. No one wanted to set Shelley off. She was unpredictable and volatile with a mean streak that was hidden by a pretense of love or care. For example, she'd asked to help do the dishes but would end up throwing the unwashed utensils, plates, and even pots and pans into the garbage. Oh my god! (laughs) That is not doing the dishes, hon. Shelly was bored and decided to tell her grandparents' neighbors that her grandpa was touching her.
1: Oh my god, Shelly.
0: She was adamant about ruining everyone around her's lives.
1: What is... I just have to wonder, like, what is it? She just wants attention? Or like... Why do go to these lengths? I don't know. I guess people want to think she's some kind of martyr or victim. Uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe she likes
0: being a victim. It's so weird. Laura found a boarding school forty miles south from their home. It was so peaceful without her. But the school refused to accept Shelley for the next school year due to her behavior. Oh my god! She put broken glass in other students' shoes. What the fuck? She would steal and just generally be disruptive. Despite all she'd done, her father Les gave her anything she ever asked for. For instance, Shelly demanded a new car. A VW Beetle was what she wanted. Les caved and brought home something he thought was even better. A nearly new pale pink Buick. Shelly lost her shit. Oh no. And what she did next blew everyone's minds. Shelly faked a suicide attempt. Because she got, she didn't get the car that she wanted. Oh my God. She was rushed to the hospital where she got her stomach pumped and all they found was a couple of aspirin. Ugh. Was it worth it, babe? In the summer of 1971, when Shelly was 17, she met Randy Rivardo. They started dating, but went their separate ways after their graduation in 1972. They later reconnected when Shelly called up Randy and invited him out to Battleground to work at her father's nursing home. The offer was tempting. He was trying to save for college. When he arrived, the Watson family made it very clear that they were ready for Shelly to get married off and start her own life somewhere else. <laughs> they got married so quick that Les picked out Randy's best man. What? None of Randy's relatives came, and it turns out it was because Shelly never mailed them the invitations. Oh my god. What a piece of work. What a piece of work! (laughs) (laughs) What a piece of work. Shelly couldn't hold down a job due to her chronic absenteeism. She wound up being a stay-at-home wife, but she didn't keep up with the house at all. No, all she wanted to do was lay on the couch watching TV and tell other people what to do. One day, when Randy returned home from his classes, he walked in to find their trailer in shambles. Shelley's face was bloody, and she told her husband that an intruder had come in and raped her and stole his rifle. Oh my god. Boy who cried wolf, Shelley. Mm-hmm. No one's gonna believe you this time. Randy called the police, but after they spoke privately with Shelley, the police told her husband that the wounds were self-inflicted. She pulled this act because she wanted to convince her husband that they lived in a bad area because she desperately wanted to upgrade to a cute home. Oh my God. Whatever Shelly wanted, Shelly got. She bounced check after check and had zero disregard for anyone but herself. Now Randy knew why Les had been so quick to welcome him into the family. He just wanted to pawn Shelly off so someone else could finance her. Mm Mm-hmm. When Shelley announced she was pregnant in the summer of 1974, everyone was nervous. But maybe this would be a positive turning point. Well, you and I both know that that is not the case. I
1: kind of don't even believe she's pregnant at this point. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> Randy's parents wanted to visit the couple and bring gifts for the baby. But Shelley would not come out of her room. When they left, she hid all the gifts and ruined the candy that Randy's grandpa had made for them. Ugh. Randy's sister had forgotten some new clothes, and Shelly offered to mail them back. But when Randy's sister opened the package, she found a box of shredded clothes. Shelly claimed that someone at the post office must have done it.
1: Sure. I'm sure they did. It, this is
0: just so unbelievable. It's
1: This is like Chandler Halderson level
0: even beyond believable yeah in february of 1975 randy and shelly gave birth to Nikki, baby girl
1: so she was pregnant
0: yeah (laughs) okay everyone hoped this new baby would give shelly a new lease on life
1: i don't think this is gonna be good i mean if we were
0: if i if that were the case i wouldn't be talking about yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) they hoped that she would be less selfish and more nurturing Little did they know, becoming a mother would only make Shelly worse. Instead of bringing Nikki home, she dropped her off at her parents' house so they could babysit. Laura thought it would only be a couple days, but it ended up being three months. What? hmm
1: Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Can you imagine just no.
0: dropping she... Adrian off, like, no for three months? She just gave birth and was like, okay, can you watch him for, like, a couple days? And then she never came back for three months. Oh, my months. God. So, her husband, Randy, finally put his foot down and made her go pick up Nikki. Laura drove up to see Nikki every day. Quite frankly, she just didn't trust Shelly. Yeah, I wouldn't either. (laughs) Randy was about sick of Shelly as well. She would constantly lock him out of the house, and he had to sleep in his car. Oh my god. Anna version two. I know. This was an everyday occurrence. Whatever Randy made at his job, Shelly blew through. He couldn't take it anymore, and he finally decided to leave Shelly. He loved his daughter, Nikki, but he had to escape this woman or else. Yeah, I don't blame him. Shelly retaliated by spending all the money Randy had and rocked up tons of debt under his name. Oh, boy. One day, Shelly dropped off Nikki at her stepmother, Laura's, and just like that, Shelly disappeared. She was gone for over a year.
1: Oh my God.
0: (laughs) I know. I cannot believe that. When she returned, she took Nikki home, and this is when the lifetime of manipulation would begin. She told Nikki that her dad abandoned her and that her grandparents didn't love her anymore. All the while, she was love bombing her, telling her how much she loved her and how She would always be there for her keep her safe.
1: Oh my god, that poor child.
0: As she got older, Nikki found letters from her father and his side of the family. She also found out that they'd been sending her gifts, but Shelly claimed they were from her. So she was hiding all of the letters from uh, Randy's side of the family and then pretending like the presents they sent were from her. Oh my god. In June of 1978, Shelly married a man named Danny Long. And two months later, in August, she gave birth to her second daughter, Sammy. Oh, great. Danny was good with the girls, and he pushed back on Shelly more than she was used to. They fought constantly. Their marriage lasted five years until Danny was absolutely sick of it and escaped. Mm-hmm. And Shelley was on the hunt for a new guy to bully around and collect paychecks from. Whoever she brought home, she instructed her daughters to call them daddy. Oh, my God. Nikki remembers Dave Notek appearing in their lives out of nowhere. The girls hated him because they loved Danny so much, but before they knew it, they were moving to live with Dave. Nikki had a vivid memory around this time. She was sleeping when all of a sudden she felt the pressure of a pillow over her face. Oh my God. She couldn't breathe. She started screaming, and just like that, Shelly was there to comfort her daughter. Nikki told her that someone had put a pillow over her face, but Shelly claimed it was just a dream and everything was okay.
1: Oh, okay. Sure. I'm sure that's true.
0: Introducing our third and final husband, Dave Notek. Dave Notek met Shelly at the bar where she worked called the Sore Thumb. She was beautiful and every guy in the place was hitting on her, but she approached Dave. After they danced for a while, Dave asked Shelly for her number. He never expected to see her again, but he couldn't stop thinking about her. The night after they met, the bar burned down. I mean, I don't know if you believe in signs, but that seems like a pretty bad sign. That
1: seems like a very bad sign.
0: Yeah. I, there was no further details on why the bar burned down. Yeah, no, maybe Shelly didn't. I mean, I was thinking maybe she didn't. She's like, this would make him call me. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. Dave mustered up the courage to call her, and he began driving to see her every weekend. As their relationship grew more serious, Shelly confided in Dave after she returned from a doctor's appointment that she had been diagnosed with cancer.
1: Again, don't believe it.
0: I probably won't live till 30, she said. Dave was shocked. He had fallen in love with her. He felt like if she died, someone would have to take care of Nikki and Sammy. Looking back, it wasn't the best decision. In December nineteen eighty seven they made it official. One of the witnesses at the wedding was a woman named Kathy Loreno. Kathy was Shelley's hairdresser and they'd become best friends. Little did anyone know how much of a role Kathy would play in their marriage.
1: I just don't understand how he could fall in love with her that hard because
0: she look at her seems-
1: I know, I know, but she's she, hot guys. she
0: is hot. she seems to show her true colors very quickly, though she is able to like read the men though, and they are a certain mm. type of person mm. and he seemed it he seemed like the type that was just like easy to manipulate, yeah, and I also read that he had just come out of a really bad breakup and he was just like just so vulnerable at that point that he just, yeah. And she's just so sexy, you know, (laughs) (laughs) she's a hot mama. Shelly and Dave's marriage was tumultuous. Dave was beaten down by Shelly's constant abuse. He was compliant, passive, submissive, the perfect victim for Shelly. After a fight, Shelly would cuddle up with Dave and lure him back. The marriage was so toxic that Dave could hardly function. He was constantly waiting for the next thing that would set her off. He knew something wasn't right with her. He dealt with his wife by being away. His job required him to be away most of the time, and this is how he made their marriage work. Mm, That makes sense. Years later, their house would burn to the ground. Um, excuse me. Couldn't find any details surrounding this what uh okay the family had a reset when they moved into a cute craftsman style home in old Willupa. it was down a long driveway and tucked into a forest the description of the home sounds absolutely charming but things would only escalate at this new house Shelley was fueled by anger and seemed to get excitement from beating her children oh no the discipline usually came at night Shelley made sure that the punishments were equal parts severe and unexpected. Her daughters learned to wear extra clothes to bed in the event that their mother would pull them outside in the middle of the night in the dead of winter. Oh my gosh. That's horrible. I know. Poor little girls. I know. Reasons for the discipline. Using her makeup, losing a hairbrush. Shelley would find any reason to punish those around her. And when she couldn't, she would make things up and gaslight them. The beatings always ended with blood. Oh my god. There was one instance where Shelly threw her daughter Nikki into a wall and she hit a protruding nail. Her head was literally nailed into the wall. (gasps) Oh my god, that's so horrible. I know. That was the only instance where Shelly actually backed down. Nikki didn't even think to tell about the abuse and no one asked. Shelly didn't limit her abuse to just physical. She'd often play mind games with her family and verbally abuse them. For example, Nikki would get locked in her room a week before Christmas. But on Christmas Day, everything was perfect, and she showered the girls with presents. The very next day, Shelly would take all their toys away, saying the children were bad. Oh, no. One Christmas, Nikki and Sammy got cute little teddy bear hairpins in their stockings. As they unwrapped all their gifts and the wrapping paper started piling up, they realized they couldn't find the pins. Shelly beat the girls with an electrical cord and called them ungrateful. Oh my god. She made them stay up all night looking for the pins. They were eventually discovered, tucked in with another gift, and everyone, including Dave, knew who hid it there.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Why? How can someone be like this? It's so scary. It's really scary. Oh my god, she's going to wreak havoc on the world again.
0: Shelly insisted she control everything in her family's lives, including showering. Nikki and Sammy had to ask permission to do anything, even use the bathroom. Sometimes the girls were so desperate for a shower that they would quickly wash and then wipe the tub down with towels to make it look like they hadn't even had one.
1: Oh wow. Wow.
0: One of Shelley's favorite forms of discipline was something she called wallowing. Wallowing was a nighttime activity and was enforced despite the season. She'd order the girls to wake up in the middle of the night and get undressed and outside. Ugh. She'd call them terrible names and her voice was horrifying. The girls described it as loud and guttural.
1: Did neighbors not... Were they, they kind
0: of lived in like a yeah, very secluded area.
1: Far away. Oh, okay.
0: The daughter who often was subjected to wallowing was Nikki. She would be ordered outside and forced into a mud pit while Dave was instructed to spray her with the hose. Oh my god, and he just like went along with this? I mean, he had to or else. <sighs> All in the dead of winter in Washington.
1: Oh my god.
0: Wallow Nikki, Shelley would scream. This would go on for hours. When Shelly was satisfied, she dragged Nikki to the bathroom and filled the tub with scalding hot water. (gasps) Clean yourself up and go to bed, pig. Nikki was diminished to below a zero, and Sammy noticed that her sister got more of the abuse. Sammy was good at buttering her mom up and compartmentalizing things. Sammy also had a group of friends. Maybe Shelly thought she may eventually tell them, so she focused all her attention on Nikki. Sammy figured out if she aligned herself with her mother, she would save herself from the beatings. Another horrifying incident that the girls remember was once Shelly was chasing Nikki for another punishment and wound up shoving her through a plate glass door in their living room. Nikki went into shock. She was bleeding all over from many cuts. Oh
1: my god, yeah.
0: Look what you made me do, Shelly yelled. But then she apologized, which was more shocking than the blood all over the place. After that, she took Nikki out to dinner and to get her hair done. The incident had never happened. She honestly should have probably gone to the hospital instead. Yeah, but this was much. just another way that she manipulated and controlled her daughter's emotions. Ugh, that's so horrible. I know. In 1988, Shane Watson, Shelley's 13-year-old nephew from her brother Paul, the younger brother who oh, carried around a switchblade, yes, moved in with the No Tech family. His father, Paul, was in and out of prison, and Shelley insisted that they take Shane in to give him a stable childhood. Oh my god, you're not going to get that. You'd be better off homeless on the streets. Pretty much. Pretty much. At the time, Nikki was 14 and Sammy was 10. Shane had a fun, goofy personality, and everyone wanted to be his friend. He was always smiling or telling jokes, he started calling Dave and Shelley mom and dad almost immediately. After some intense love bombing, things changed, and Shane was given a never ending list of chores. If things were not up to Shelley's liking, he was punished, and things started to go missing from Shane's room his pillow, uh- then his blanket, then his bed. What? He was forced to sleep on the floor. Shelley revoked his shower privileges and only gave him one outfit to wear.
1: Oh my
0: god. When he first moved in, he was considered the cool new kid at school, but he had quickly turned into the weird smelly boy. Nikki could relate. She went through the same treatment, and her and Shane became close friends. Nikki knew her mom wasn't normal, but she loved her. She and Shane would often talk about how messed up Shelley was. Nikki recognized the cycle later on. She was an abuser, and then she would reel her back in with kindness. She was a ticking time bomb. But she didn't have a choice. She had to love her. Soon enough, upon Shelly's instruction, Shane was wallowing in the mud with Nikki. Mm-hmm. The punishment started to get even more humiliating and weird. Shelly would order Nikki and Shane to both undress and slow dance together naked. Uh, excuse me? Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. They're both like young teenagers. Oh my God. What if he ever got a
1: boner? Ew, uh,
0: <laughs> I think he was so traumatized that could not even happen. <laughs> yeah. So oh they were forced to slow dance naked together in front of the entire family. Are you serious? Can you imagine?
1: I cannot believe that Dave is just backseat. This is fine. I know. I can't believe
0: it. It's almost like he was, like, under a spell. Yeah. Shelly just sat and laughed. Nikki and Shane would cry the entire time, and Dave would just sit there. Oh, my God. Shelly had an odd obsession with nudity, but it was about power and humiliation, never sexual. It was part of stripping away their identity and their ability to leave. Try running away when all your clothes are gone, and it's the dead of winter. Mm Mm-hmm. Another cold night, Shane and Nikki were commanded to get undressed and sit back-to-back on a hill. They talked about how they had to get out of there. Shane was determined to leave. That Christmas, Shelly, who was 34, announced she was pregnant with her third baby. Which, okay, remember, she has cancer. Um, Yeah, I forgot about that. She was supposedly going through chemo for years.
1: And you get pregnant for
0: years,
1: for years and years and years. So that's how that works. (laughs) I know.
0: (laughs) So Dave was shocked that she was able to get pregnant, and he considered this a miracle. So yeah, she was she was undergoing chemo apparently for years, and Dave still believed her, and he took her to the appointments. So what did she do at the doctor for like? So he would sit in the waiting room. For eight hours, and where was she? She, we don't know. Maybe gone out the back door, like how gone the, to the hell movies? did she pull that off? That is crazy. Know. She also made another announcement: her hairstylist and best friend Kathy Loreno was going to be moving in with them. What? This shocked the entire family, Dave included. He had no idea about the plan. Kathy needed a place to live after she decided to leave her family's place after getting let go from her job at the salon. Shelley told her she didn't need to work and they would take care of her. She told her that she really needed her help with a new baby coming and all. Kathy worshipped Shelley and hung on her every word. She was a 30 year old woman with a kind yet shy personality. She was a big woman, a little overweight, standing at six feet tall, but she had kind eyes and her hair was perfectly done at all times. She was a people pleaser and was often taken advantage of by her mother. Some say she was too nice. When she lost her job, she lost her house and had to move in with her mother. After some time passed, her mother said that she would need to pay rent, but Kathy had no money. She was hurt that after all she did for her mother, she couldn't repay her with some kindness. Kathy felt her only option was to move in with her friend Shelley. And this is where the story takes an even darker turn. Oh my god. Tori Notec was born in June 1989. Shelley claimed that Tori was a preemie with underdeveloped lungs. Shelly reveled in the drama that something may go wrong with the baby. She got her a special bed and a heart monitor. The alarms would go off in the night, indicating that Tori was struggling to breathe. Everyone would rush to her crib to find Shelly cradling the baby. She's fine now, she'd say. Um... But get this. One evening, Nikki came downstairs to find her mother holding a pillow over Tori's face. (gasps) That's what I was
1: thinking. Like, she's
0: already there. She probably, like, put her hand over, like, pillow, yeah. Oh,
1: my God.
0: Shelly was startled and picked up Tori and said, she's okay now, but the alarms hadn't gone off yet. Huh. This brought back memories of the time when Nikki woke up to her mother smothering her. Yeah. As time went on, Shelly lost interest in her baby and went back to lounging on the couch watching TV.
1: Yeah, she loses interest in her kids very easily.
0: Yep. Things began to shift in the house, slowly, like a frog in boiling water. Kathy's once fun and upbeat personality began to fade she'd take care of the baby clean the house do anything she could to please Shelly but if she didn't do something to her liking Shelly would find whatever was closest and beat Kathy with it
1: oh my god yeah I'm just thinking like if I like moved in with I know you I was thinking that too yeah
0: but vice you... versa and stuff yeah
1: How could you ever tolerate... Beat your friend. Your friend. And your friend
0: just, like, stay. I don't know. Oh, my God. In the beginning, Kathy would cry and threaten to leave, but Shelly would reel her back in. She would also manipulate her to believe that she deserved any beating she received. She'd hug Kathy after incidents like this and then give her a bunch of pills to make her feel better. Excuse me? What kind of pills? (laughs) I don't know, but the pills began to affect Kathy, stripping her of any fight or will. Oh my god. The kids started to notice and felt sorry for Kathy, but it did take the heat off of them, and for that they were grateful.
1: Yeah. Ugh, how horrible.
0: I know. Things escalated. Of course, it wasn't just physical. Shelley would twist reality, eventually getting Kathy to believe whatever she said. She started one mind game like this. She convinced Kathy that she was sleepwalking, innocent enough. Uh huh. A few days later, she'd convince Kathy that she would eat and sleepwalk. Shelly pulled a half eaten pie from under her bed. Nikki had seen her mother hide the pie under Kathy's bed. Ugh. This lasted for months. She even made the kids hide food. She would just, like, tell her, you know, this is why you're not losing weight. You're eating and sleepwalking and, like, you need to stop eating all our food. And Kathy just, like, was at a loss. She was like, I don't think I'm doing that. But... Yeah. I mean, if you're told so many times and she's pulling a pie out from under your bed, you start to believe her. Right. Kathy started to lose all her resolve. Then... Shelly said Kathy was sleepwalking naked and went into Shane's room. She said, We all know you want Shane, but this is just inappropriate and needs to stop. Um, no, ma'am. This is a teenage boy. Shelly accused her friend of trying to get with Shane, an underage boy.
1: Oh my god. What the- What is her problem?
0: Why do all this shit? Evil. I don't get it. Kathy was appalled and swore that she never would do that. But Shelly went and got Shane, and Shane confirmed what Shelly said. Of course, he was forced to do so.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Mental fuckery like this happened all the time, and it made Shelly's victims compliant. Kathy ran up to her room in tears. (sighs) Shelly started taking Kathy's belongings away as punishment. Before she knew it, all Kathy had was a single pair of underwear and a muumuu. Oh my god. Very soon after that, even the muumuu and the underwear were gone. Kathy was forced to do chores around the house naked. Leave, bitch. Get out of there, man. Kathy was also prohibited from using the toilet or taking a bath unless she asked Shelley for permission. Kathy was then demoted to only being able to wash herself outside with the hose. Oh my God. (laughs) Leave. Kathy doing chores around the house naked became a normal thing in the no-tech home. No one Um, even thought twice.
1: um, What the fuck?
0: That is insane. No matter what happened, Kathy stayed. The kids were so confused. Kathy was an adult. She had a car. Leave. Shelly wasn't in charge of her. (laughs) She could leave whenever she wanted. Why did she stay? Yes. They thought something was wrong with her, but they were grateful for Kathy. While Kathy was there, so long as they looked the other way, their abuse was on pause. Yeah. Shelly began ordering her children to take part in the abuse. Mostly Shane. If they didn't do what she wanted, they'd be forced to wallow. Kathy was afraid of Shane. He hit and kicked her. Sometimes Shelley would step in as if she was protecting her like her savior. Mind oh, games. Oh my god. When visitors came over, Kathy was forced to stay in a closet. Sometimes hours and hours. Kathy was losing a lot of weight. Her teeth had started falling out. Oh no. And her hair, well... Shelley took a page out of her grandma Anna's book and chopped off all of Kathy's long curly hair. As Kathy was being abused by Shelley, she looked at the kids with empathy. She never accepted the kids' help, knowing that it would only get them in trouble. Oh my God. It's just so much. Like it starts to just like not even make sense anymore. It's just like No, it doesn't. You have to almost like look at one thing at a time because when you say it all together, it just starts to not even mean anything anymore. But this woman was tortured yeah i know what you mean yeah like i'm, I'm listing so many things that you're just kind of like okay okay yeah uh-huh right you know
1: but right yeah
0: you can become complacent i just <laughs> want you to know all the crazy shit she yeah. does yeah yeah um because it's just like like going through the book i would be like okay i need to tell her that okay i need to tell her that but like it just it's a lot so we might even cut some of some of it if we want it's insane to me how
1: there are so many well i guess really a i don't understand why kathy is staying b what the fuck are you doing
0: dave well he's gone most of the time oh my god But still when he's there he's like doing what she says but she's like manipulating him she's like these kids are terrible they're bad and like Kathy's bad. She's doing this and that. Blah, blah, blah. But like, it still doesn't make any sense. Yeah. There has to be, she has to, I think she must have worked really hard to get them in the place they are. Yeah. Like, they they just don't, they're just, I can't even explain it. They just don't want to leave. They can't leave. Oh, I don't get it, man. She's like the type of person that will like, give you so much love and then like, she'll withhold it
1: Yeah. And then
0: you just want that love back. And then you do something and she's mad at you. And then all you want is her love again. Yeah. I know what you mean. It's just like a manipulation tactic. Yeah. But it is extreme. And I don't understand it myself. No. Like how they could have stayed.
1: Because that is behavior you don't see from anybody. Anybody.
0: I mean, the kids, obviously, that's their only mom. And this is all they know. Kids,
1: I understand. Yes. But... Another human that's grown up in a different household that didn't have all this shit going on. Like, how the fuck can you tolerate that?
0: I have no idea. She was kind of like a people pleaser, but... And she didn't didn't have a job or anywhere to go. But at the same time, like, it's gotten to a point where it's... Yes. You're gonna die.
1: You're being locked in a closet for hours and
0: hours. Like... I don't know if she, like, loved her or... Like, know, she just, man. like, was so, like, obedient to her. Like, I don't know. I
1: don't Ugh, get it. Man.
0: It's really sad.
1: It's super sad.
0: On family outings, Shelly asked Kathy to ride in the trunk of the car. Oh, my God. <clears throat> I know. I That part, for whatever reason, like, really yes threw me. Like, can you imagine? Hey, kids, get in the car. Let's go. Kathy, get in the trunk. Get in the trunk. That's what the book was like. It was like, and okay, then- let's go. We're going camping. Kathy, get in the trunk. And then when you get to your destination, people will see this person coming out of the trunk. Like, what the hell? (sighs) (sighs) What the hell? So, as I said, one time, the family went on a camping trip. Kathy was made to sleep outside under the car. And the next night, Shelly made her sleep in the trunk.
1: Oh, my God.
0: It was odd. Kathy was like a weird extension of the family. She was there to do things for Shelly, but otherwise, she was just like a ghost lingering in the background. (sighs) Kathy's health was going downhill, and Shelly was dialing up the abuse, and it wasn't just targeted at Kathy. Shane set Shelly off one night. No one remembers why, but everyone remembers how Shelly made Shane undress bound his ankles and wrists with duct tape, and applied Icy Hot to his penis as he screamed in pain.
1: Oh my god, are you serious?
0: Ugh. I forgot to give a trigger warning at the beginning of the episode. (laughs) I think we just might need to add that in in the beginning. Yeah. Fuck. Shane made several attempts to run away. But Shelly always managed to hunt him down and manipulate him into coming home. We love you, Shane. Don't scare us like that. Why would you want to leave us? She would say. Oh my god. As it became time for Tori's crib to be moved into her own room, Kathy was forced out and moved down into the furnace room in the basement. Of course she was. Late one night, Kathy had done something that made Shelly angrier than she had ever been. The kids watched out the window, where they saw Kathy, naked, walking up a snowy hill. Kathy begged Dave and Shelly to let her back inside. Dave shoved Kathy down the hill, and Shelly ordered Kathy to go back. And that's when Dave pushed her down the hill again. Oh my god, Dave? She begged them to let her stop. Her butt began to bleed from sliding down the sharp, icy crystals on the hill. Kathy could barely walk. No one could recall how long it lasted, but when they woke up, there was a big red stripe going down the hill. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. So they just made her go up and down, up and down, like oh sliding down this hill. Oh
1: my god.
0: Naked. What the fuck? This is horrible. I know. This is really bad. I know. I, As I was going through this and writing this, I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> why am I doing this to people why yeah this Tuesday is so boss miss
1: you you really hit the nail on the head on this one this is this is horrible you were right she is evil
0: Kathy's mother had to undergo heart surgery and the family called the notex they knew she was staying there and wanted to fill her in on her mother When Shelly answered the phone, she told the family that Kathy had left with her boyfriend Rocky. Made up. Yeah, I was like, never heard of Rocky before. They didn't know of any Rocky. They couldn't believe Kathy could leave without telling them. They searched everywhere, and she was nowhere to be found. A couple of weeks later, the family received a letter with a blurry picture of Kathy standing beside a semi truck. The letter was in Kathy's girly handwriting and said she was fine. She talked about her boyfriend, Rocky, and the family assumed that maybe one day Kathy would come home or reach out. In reality, Kathy was going downhill fast. Literally no pun intended, Jesus fucking Christ.
1: Oh my god, I shouldn't be laughing at that. That's so awful.
0: Her teeth had eroded into black stumps. Her hair was falling out. All of this was captured on video camera at Shelly's 37th birthday. The juxtaposition of a seemingly happy family in Kathy was jarring.
1: Oh my God.
0: In the summer of 1992, the family moved to a little farmhouse in Monahan Landing in Raymond. It was a step down from their last house, but had lots of land and was seemingly more secluded. It was way out in the country, but tucked along a main road. Shelley made Sammy go around examining what she could see and hear from every vantage point around the house. You couldn't see or hear anything, perfectly secluded. Mm. Can you believe, like, she made her, like check from every angle like possible like to see what if anyone could see or hear anything that's so weird
1: that's so weird I mean it it makes sense knowing what I know about her but but it's
0: like do it yourself also do it your fucking self yes you're right because then you're just reinforcing the fact that maybe you're doing something wrong she has
1: to make other people why do you have to make other people do everything for you like I don't (sighs) get that it's weird don't you want to be an independent human (laughs)
0: Kathy's baths were few and far between before the move, but now she was forced to stand naked in the yard while Shelley sprayed her with the hose, Ugh. no matter what time of year. Instead of soap, Shelley used bleach to wash <gasps> Kathy. Oh my God. Kathy screamed as Shelley doused the battered woman with bleach. The chemicals found their way into the open sores that covered... Oh. That covered her body from head to toe.
1: Oh my God.
0: When Kathy screamed too loud or tried to get away, Shelly and Dave would duct tape her arms and legs and her mouth closed.
1: Oh my God. I'm so mad at Dave. I am so mad at him.
0: I know. I know.
1: Oh my God. How can he tolerate this?
0: He doesn't have to be there, but I don't know. I don't know.
1: And he's participating, which is just screwed up.
0: She'd then switch up personas to her sweet, loving demeanor. Doesn't that feel good, Kathy, to be all clean? (sighs) As the weeks passed, Dave saw less and less of his wife's best friend. He was often out of town for work, but when he was home, Kathy was nowhere to be seen. Dave was concerned for Kathy. The whole family was. Shelley told him that she was getting better and insisted she just needed to rest, that she was taking care of her. When he learned that Shelley was keeping Kathy in the four-foot by four-foot pump house, he was appalled. This is when he gets appalled. I don't know, like, what information he gets and how it's presented to him each time, but still, you should never, like, be duct-taping someone's that's, mouth. That's and, like, what
1: kills me, yeah. You know, like...
0: That, that's too There's far. no excuse, but, like, I think he's being so manipulated, like, in a way where... I don't know. It doesn't make yeah. any sense and that's why It's just so bizarre. Yeah. Shelly claimed she was keeping her there to protect her from the kids. She said that Shane had been abusing Kathy... It was no use to push the issue, and Dave took Shelly's word for it.
1: Shane had been abusing Kathy at her direction, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but he doesn't know that. (sighs) One day, Kathy had miraculously worked up the energy and courage to escape. Oh my god. Shelly ordered the kids to search for her, and they went out looking till nightfall. Shelly took off in the car and came back two hours later with Kathy. No. 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 Kathy had managed to make it to a friend, but somehow Shelly convinced her to come back with her in the privacy of a mall bathroom. She bought her clothes and got her hair done. The kids couldn't believe that Kathy had come back. They thought she must have lost her mind, and they thought the same of their father. Why did he stay with her? Yes. Kathy made many attempts to flee, but Shelly always found her and convinced her to come back.
1: (sighs) my god
0: over time kathy had suffered several head injuries from being pushed into the pavement <gasps> downstairs and even kicked by dave's steel toe boots oh my god upon Shelley's instructions at this point she was not allowed out of the 4x4 pump room she was getting weaker by the day her face was swollen her hair was nearly gone she only had a couple of black teeth left that looked like they could fall out at any moment she needed a doctor one day shelly put shane in charge of watching kathy while she went out to run errands make sure she doesn't get away or scream shelly told him when she left shane turned to nikki and told her he was going to help kathy escape oh wow He unlocked the door to the pump house and told Kathy to run, but she didn't move. She just cowered in the corner. Shane started to get angry. What's wrong with you? Now's your chance. You need help. Yeah. But Kathy had no fight left in her. She'll just find me and bring me back, she said. Shane closed the door. He and Nikki knew if she didn't leave now, she was going to die in there.
1: Oh my god.
0: Dude, it goes on and on and on. Shelly convinced Dave that Kathy needed to be severely punished, and she insisted the only way to get through to her was to waterboard her. What is wrong with this lady? Um, I don't know. She just doesn't seem like an actual person. No, she's literally a demon. So Kathy told Dave to build a seesaw-like device with a bucket of water on the end. She pulled a naked Kathy from the pump room and tied her to the board. Kathy could barely walk at this point and was black and blue. The scene was horrifying. An idyllic pasture with horses roaming the fields, apple trees, and a naked woman duct-taped to a board being forced underwater. It didn't last longer than 10 minutes. But it was enough to truly traumatize Nikki, who was forced to stand watch.
1: Oh my god.
0: Dave was getting concerned about Kathy. Oh, no shit, love. Um, Yeah, Dave. And asked Shelly if he could take her to a hospital. Just drop her off. She needed help. Shelly refused. She'd tell on them. Shelly decided that they would move Kathy's sleeping arrangements to the laundry room. It would be warmer in there, and she could get better inside but something was wrong with kathy she couldn't walk her eyes couldn't focus when she talked her voice came out in slurred gurgles oh no one side of her face had started to droop oh no something was really wrong
1: she's had a stroke
0: one day dave returned home from work when he walked inside he heard a noise it didn't sound human it was a moaning and gurgling sound. Oh my god. What's that sound, he asked Shelley as she was rushing out the door. Oh, it's just Kathy. She's fine. Yeah. She left in a hurry. He went to the laundry room where he saw Kathy choking on her own vomit. <gasps> he rushed to help her, but she had stopped breathing. Oh no. Dave looked up at Shane. She's not breathing. This is bad. Shane stared back in disbelief. Dave tried to clear the vomit from her nose and mouth. He tried CPR, the Heimlich, nothing worked. Kathy was dead.
1: Oh my God. Oh my God.
0: That poor woman. I know. When Shelley returned with the three girls, Dave pulled her aside and told the girls to go upstairs. Kathy's dead. Shelley acted like she had no idea how that could have happened.
1: Um your crazy punishments is how that happened. I mean bitch. She I wanna be her.
0: (laughs) I know. (laughs) I'm so mad. That's waterboard Shelley. I'm so mad. The kids heard yelling and crying downstairs. Nikki and Shane went downstairs to see what was happening. That's when Shane showed Nikki Kathy. She started freaking out, which caused Sammy to come down. She started crying. Shelly rushed all the kids into the car. She was crying too and telling them that everything was going to be okay, that nothing was going to break their family apart. She drove them to a motel where they stayed the night, While Dave and Shane stayed behind. (sighs) Shelly dropped the girls off and told them she'd be back with Shane. She didn't arrive back with Shane until midnight. Guys, with that, we're going to take a little break. Oh my god. Did
1: Um. they hide the body? Like, I'm just, my (laughs) mind is going crazy right now.
0: And we're back. Hey. So, Dave and Shane had burned Kathy's body that night in their fire pit.
1: Oh my god. That's what I was thinking. They probably did something to hide or destroy the body.
0: It took five hours, and as the sun came up, Dave gathered what remained of Kathy in Home Depot buckets and took them to Washaway Beach to dispose of them. Shelly gathered all of Kathy's things and burned them in the fire pit. Nothing much was left of Kathy at the Notec home.
1: Oh my god, that is so horrible. I know.
0: Days after the death and cremation of Kathy Loreno, Shelly was bubbly and excited as she started to dream up their cover story. So she's like... She's like, we did it, now we gotta come up with our cover story. Yeah,
1: getting off on like trying to... Figure out how to cover. Oh, my God.
0: She decided to stick with the Rocky story she told Kathy's family. She gathered the family in the living room and said, She ran away with Rocky. Remember him? He was always interested in Kathy. None of the kids knew what she was talking about. Yeah. But Shelly continued with the story. She'd repeat it every day and constantly quiz the kids on the story. Sammy started to wonder. What if her mother was right? What if Kathy was alive? Oh my
1: God. She's just just like driving
0: these people insane.
1: That is so crazy. How you can like create false memories almost or
0: like. I know. Shelly had Nikki mimic Kathy's handwriting and write several postcards from Mexico, from Canada. They mailed them to the no tech residents from all over. Shelley told Shane that if he told, she would pin this all on him. Shane knew he needed to either run away or tell. He knew that eventually the truth would come out and Shelley would have no problem blaming him. Every time Shane wasn't around, Shelley would harp to Dave over and over Shane's going to tell. And every time Dave had to assure her he wouldn't. Mm. Shelly kept on day after day. One day, he's going to leave here, get loaded at a bar, and tell the story about how his parents killed a woman. Dave assured her he wouldn't. (laughs) When Shelly didn't get her way, she manufactured evidence. When Dave came home one evening, Shelly was livid. She had a pair of bloody underwear in her hand. Um, what? They're Tories. Shane is abusing our baby. (gasps) No. Dave beat Shane that night. Oh my God. He was swollen and bruised and the beating reaffirmed what he had to do. He had to get away.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Do we know how old Shane is at this time?
0: Like 19. Okay. Kathy's family officially reported her missing in 1994. And the police would check in with the notex from time to time. Shelly had a solid story and postcards from Kathy to back it up. These were the postcards Nikki wrote and mailed back to the house. Mm -hmm. It seemed as though she was in the clear. Not too long after, Shane vanished. He left a note that Shelly found. It said he decided to go to Alaska where his mother lived to work on a fishing boat. Nikki was happy that Shane finally got out. He'd been planning for ages. But now that Shane and Kathy were out of the picture, Shelly's focus was back on Nikki. She was forced to endure the same punishments as Kathy, doing chores in the nude, sleeping outside. She couldn't leave. She didn't have any money and she couldn't get a job. Her mother had taken all of her clothes. Her mother would berate her constantly telling her to get a job. Nikki finally broke down and started standing up for herself. She was as big as Shelly now and pushing back. Shelly decided that Nikki needed to be sent away to stay in Canada with her aunt Trish. She was becoming a bad influence on the other girls. It was supposed to be a 10-day trip, but Nikki loved being away from her mother.
1: Yeah. I was about to say, this is probably like the best thing ever. I know. It's like, oh, yeah, I'll go. Yeah. <laughs> for 10 days
0: on a punishment away from my family. Mm-hmm. Nikki was finally feeling happy. She did not return to live at the no home again. She was able to make it to her grandma Lara's, and she got a job alongside her as a nurse's aide.
1: That's so good. I know. Oh my god.
0: While Nikki was away, Shelly told the other sisters that Nikki had abandoned them, that she didn't love them anymore. Ugh. <sighs> You fucking abandoned her as a baby, so... I know, like for three months and then a year. Yeah, so... Ugh, fuck off, Shelly. Sammy began to be the target for abuse. Sammy's teachers started to notice, and Sammy told them all about the abuse. Good. When the principal pulled her into the office to tell her they planned to address the problem with her mother, Sammy took it all back. She chickened out. No. She didn't want to orphan her little sister, Tori. She was scared. (sighs) Shane was gone. Nikki had made it out. Now it was Sammy's turn. When she graduated high school, she hatched a plan to escape. She packed up all of her things and left a bag at the house for a friend to pick up while they were running errands. She wrote Tori a note saying she'd call as soon as she could. It worked and she made it out. She went to live with her grandma, Laura. Sammy wanted to go to college, but when she went to apply, she couldn't. Her social security number that her mother had given her was incorrect. Oh, no. Eventually, Sammy was able to enroll in school where she studied education. Years later, Sammy would discover that her mother had racked up $36,000 in debt in her name (gasps) when her application for an apartment was denied. Oh, no. Oh, my God. So she's not only physically, mentally abusing them, she's financially abusing them. Yes. And also, like, not giving them the correct social security numbers and, like, just making it impossible for them to have a life. Oh, my God. What a huge
1: bitch.
0: What a true psycho. Yeah. Back at the Notex, it was just Tori, now in middle school. She had never been subjected to the type of abuse the, the other sisters had, but now her time had come. She had started to receive the same abuse the others had endured, but Shelley had come up with some new ways to humiliate her child. Once a month, when Tori started going through puberty, her mother would call her into the living room. Tori, it's time to see your progress. She made her undress against her wishes. This is very normal. All moms do this.
1: No, they don't. Tori
0: was humiliated. She didn't even like being seen in her swimsuit. One day, Shelly made a bizarre request. Tori, I need a lock of your pubic hair for your (gasps) baby book. No, that's not something people put in the baby book. No. no. Oh my God. Not in a baby book. Let me
1: get some of your pubes.
0: What the hell? What if Denise was like Mallory? I would have let's been see your progress. Devastated. Let's, I
1: already was like, don't talk about puberty with me. I when know. I was
0: a I, kid. I didn't even want to be seen in a swimsuit. I didn't want to wear a bra because I didn't want anyone to feel the strap. Yes,
1: I didn't. I or see it like because if your shirt like went out, yeah, so
0: embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, it
1: was super embarrassing.
0: I. It costs so much anxiety.
1: Yeah, I had the same experience because I was 10.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's hard. That's really hard. Yeah, it was bad. (sighs) Tori refused, but Shelly pushed. Your sisters did it. Are you trying to insinuate that I'm a pervert? It's perfectly normal.
1: You are a pervert.
0: When Tori gave in, her mother laughed in her face and said she couldn't believe she would do that and how gullible she was. Ugh, what an asshole. What the hell? Around the late 90s, Shelley became good friends with a man named Ron Woodworth. He was in his mid fifties, a sweet man who, like Shelley, shared a love for cats. They had met while working at Habitat for Humanity. Ron had just gone through a terrible breakup with his boyfriend very soon after the death of his father. He was going through hard times and struggling financially. In 1999, Shelley extended a warm welcome to Ron to stay with her family at their farmhouse.
1: Oh, the newest victim.
0: Shelly shared the news with Dave. Don't worry, he's gay. I just want to help him get back on his feet, Shelly told him. Mm-hmm. Dave couldn't care less if Ron was interested in Shelley. In fact, he welcomed it. He was done with the relationship. He didn't care what she did. He oh, wow. welcomed Ron into the home. Finally. was back out the door to go back to work. Tori and Ron became very close. He had a lot of books on Egyptology, which interested Tori. Ron's stay started out well. But as time went on, things began to change. Shelley's welcoming energy ran cold. And then things got worse. Much, much worse. First, it was verbal. Then the pills made a comeback.
1: Oh, great.
0: Ron could see no wrong in Shelley. Whenever he upset her, he always apologized. I'm sorry, Shelley, dear. That was always his response, no matter how cruel Shelley was to him. His things began to go missing. His bathroom privileges were taken away. He was forced to go outside, and the chores were piled on. As time went on, Shelly convinced Ron to write scathing letters to everyone in his family, cutting them out of his life. Oh my god! She was cutting all ties and isolating Ron. His whole world was Shelly. She is like a, a cult leader without a cult. She finds the most vulnerable, like, sad people. Yes. And just, like, molds them to be her little servants. Yeah. In July of 2001, Nikki decided to tell her grandma Laura something she had never told anyone. She sat down and told her, Mom and Dad killed Kathy. Murdered Kathy. Laura looked at her shocked, and they both started to cry. Nikki told her everything between sobs. When Laura composed herself, she started to think of a plan. They called the police chief and they told Nikki to write everything down and gave her a fax number to send it to. They did it right away and expected an immediate response. It never came. Nikki found herself telling again after having a couple of drinks. She told her boyfriend, who convinced her she had to go to the Raymond police or else he would. Wow. The next day, they made the trip to Raymond, where he waited in the car as Nikki made a report with the police. Nikki felt she'd start something big, but nothing happened. As far as she knew, the deputy never even followed up. (gasps) Why? Why? The police always blow it. I <laughs> yeah. do. The police always blow it. <laughs> they do. All the time they blow it. Ron's condition was deteriorating, and he had tried to escape several times. Months, then years passed, and his escape attempts became less and less, and he grew weaker. Shelley still had use for Ron. She needed his help caring for a Pearl Harbor survivor named James Mack McClintock. What? He was a family friend of Kathy Loreno's mother. Ironically, he was a big man who loved whiskey and his black lab sissy. He was known for riding his electric scooter to and from the grocery store. Shelly talked up Mac as the father she never had. She'd often visit him and help him out around the house She'd sometimes come two times a day. Mac wanted to hire Shelley and have her move in to care for him, but instead, Shelley put Ron in charge of Mac. He was there almost every day and sometimes slept over. There were many rooms in Mac's place, but Shelley sequestered Ron to a small room in the basement. Even though he was out of the notex, he remained under Shelley's control. Mac loved Shelly so much that he told her that after his dog sissy, she'd be next in line for his estate. Shelley was ecstatic. Mac assigned Shelly power of attorney on September seventh, two thousand one. Big mistake. Big mistake. Yeah blew it. Yeah blew it. Laura followed up with the police on the Loreno case, but they told her it had gone cold. She tried another precinct, and they gave another excuse. Nothing was happening, even though they sent like an entire story about Shelley killing. Yeah. Kathy. the case had gone cold.
1: It's obviously them.
0: <laughs> um, look into it.
1: Yeah, look into it for five seconds, and you'll see.
0: OK, so- there are witnesses. Can you guess what happened next,
1: Mallory? I'm sure Ron's on the out.
0: Mac dies. Okay. Are we surprised?
1: I'm actually not at this point. I regret to inform you.
0: Shelly called Tori and told her that Mac must have taken a bad fall, and she found him dead. Uh Uh-huh. Tori was devastated. She loved Mac and looked at him like a grandfather. Shelly, on the other hand, struck gold. Shelly convinced Ron that he was responsible for Mac's death. Sometimes she accused him of murdering Mac. Other times she would say that he didn't get him help soon enough. (gasps) Such a bitch. I'm so mad. (laughs) She continued her horrific abuse on Ron working him to the bone, making him drink his own urine. Why? That is so sick. What is... Mm. I,
1: don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it.
0: How can you be such... Mallory, he had to pee in bottles because he couldn't use the bathroom, and she got mad that there were pee bottles, and so she just made him drink it to, oh as a punishment. Oh, my God. Because she found the pee bottles before he could pour them out, so he had to drink it. Makes sense. (sighs) Not. Sure. So, she uh, was working him to the bone, making him drink his own urine, and even made him repeatedly jump off their second-story roof onto the gravel below. What?
1: (laughs) I'm sorry that I'm laughing, but what the
0: hell? Just random parkour. Like, <laughs> like, how does she come up with the shit? And For real. Like, how can someone live? I don't know. I don't know how you survived that <sighs> multiple times. Ron's bones were broken. His feet were bleeding. But Shelly didn't stop there. She would then fill a bathtub with scalding hot water and bleach and make him soak (sighs) his wounds in it, causing his skin to come off. Oh my god. Ron now had to crawl everywhere he went. Oh my god. Ron started sleeping outside on the porch because he couldn't get around anymore. Shelly loaded him up with pills and whiskey, telling Tori that she was helping him get better. Ron was found dead a few days later. I knew it. He had finally succumbed to his injuries. Shelly leapt into action, dragging him to the pump house where she dressed him in the clothes she never allowed him to wear. She put his body into a sleeping bag and lifted him into the freezer. She organized camping equipment on top to not raise suspicion. Then she called Dave in a panic. Once again, he was being told to deal with another dead body. Shelly sent Tori to stay with her sisters while her and her dad sorted things out at home. As Dave went through the motions of hiding the body, he thought of the insane physical strength his wife possessed in order to move Ron from the house to the pump house and then up into the freezer. No kidding. Because he was struggling to even get him out. What the hell, Shelley? She had superhuman strength.
1: Oh my god.
0: Horrifying. Dave had to figure out how to get rid of Ron. He couldn't cremate him like he did Kathy. Pacific County was in the midst of a burn ban because of the dry and hot weather. Someone would report a fire to the authorities. Oh. He grabbed a shovel and buried Ron in the yard. It would be temporary until the burn ban lifted. Meanwhile, Tori was spilling her guts to her sisters. They were shocked that she was receiving the same abuse they did. They never saw their mother touch Tori when they were there, and they made sure to call and check on her frequently. They needed to get her out of there, but how? The -hmm. police were not following up on their accusations. They told Tori she would have to play it cool back home while they figured out how to get her out on august 6th 2003 sammy and nikki drove down to pacific county to once again talk to the police it was nikki's second time sitting down with deputy jim bergstrom the first time did no good once again nikki told her story with sammy by her side this time they were believed
1: oh thank god
0: They'd known about Max's suspicious death and how Shelley was the beneficiary. They'd peeked around when they learned Kathy Loreno was last seen at the Notex, and they also were aware that Ron was holed up there. Shelley also had a shitty reputation in town. Everyone called her Psycho Shelley. Mm. Tori called Nikki asking what was happening, and they told her to hold on. They were getting her out. The next day... There was a knock on the door. The deputy told Shelley that he was a caseworker for CPS, and they were there to take Tori in on suspected child abuse. Shelley lost her shit. They took Tori upstairs to grab some things, and once Tori was away from her mom, she told the officers they should come back with a search warrant. Mm-hmm. She told them she had hid some things of Ron's in the chicken coop, and she was pretty sure he was dead. The officers left the Notech home with Tori. She had made it out. Nice. Shelley was panicked, crazed. She called Sammy and told her what happened. Sammy had to play it cool. I never laid a hand on that girl. I never even grounded her. Ripped from my arms for no reason, Shelley screamed mm-hmm. into the phone. Where which is a lie. It's a huge lie. But like, it's amazing that she can just like even say that with such like certainty.
1: She has no conscience Mm-mm. at all.
0: Mm-mm. When clueless Dave came home, Shelly was a wreck. Dave called Sammy too. He was confused. It was as if nothing out of the ordinary had ever happened at the house. Dave made his way down to the county to find out what was going on. Nothing Nikki, Sammy, Tori, or Laura said would lead to an arrest. Clueless Dave was going to do that for them. The police asked if he'd consent to an interview, and he agreed. He never hurt Tori. He didn't see the harm. Mm -hmm. Though the officers weren't interested in talking about Tori. They were asking about Kathy and Ron.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Dave was so nervous and defended his wife. But after a while, he broke down and cried. He told the officer where Ron had been buried and where he had burned Kathy's body. Oh my god. That was all they needed to place him under arrest. They went by Max where they found Shelly and arrested her as well. Wow. The day Dave and Shelly were arrested would have been Kathy Loreno's 45th birthday.
1: Oh wow.
0: Police brought Dave to the property to show them where Ron was buried and where Kathy was burned. It was here that Dave went on to confess to another murder, one he committed.
1: Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god.
0: The day after Kathy died in the summer of 1994, Shane confided in his cousin Nikki. He had something he needed her to see, but it had to remain a secret. He took her to the pole building, where he pulled three photographs out of a hole he had cut in a stuffed bear. They were of Kathy Loreno, naked, black and blue, crawling on the floor. We need to go to the police. Your mom is a psycho. She killed Kathy, he said. Nikki asked where he found these photos. He had stolen them from Shelly.
1: Oh my god.
0: I'm going to take them to the police. You want in? He asked. Nikki agreed. It was a plan. That night, Nikki couldn't sleep. She didn't want to do this. She didn't want the family to be torn apart. The next morning, she told her mother about the pictures Shane had. Ugh. Shelley's eyes turned black with rage. Shelley told Dave, and they looked everywhere for the pictures. When they couldn't find them, they found Shane. They beat him to a pulp. Oh my god. Nikki felt so bad. She apologized to Shane. She was just too scared. She couldn't go through with it. Shelly wouldn't let up on Dave. She was insistent that he had to kill Shane. They couldn't trust him. He was going to tell. She barked at him over and over and over and over. Man up. Do this for your family. Dave promised he'd get it done. He just had to think it through. But secretly, he was hoping it would just blow over and Shelley would let it go. She didn't. Time went on and on and on and on. And Dave still hadn't done it. Finally, in February, six months after Kathy died, a noise rang out in the night, waking Nikki. She listened and heard nothing. She went back to sleep. The next day, Shelley told the family that Shane had ran away. In reality, that night in February, Dave grabbed his twenty two, went into the pool building where Shane stayed, turned the light on, and shot Shane in the back of the head.
1: Oh my God. So he didn't go to Alaska. No. Oh my God.
0: Shelley's own nephew.
1: And her child, essentially. Because... Yeah he called her mom he he, yeah holy shit holy shit that is awful and a child dave i can't I, i can't feel bad for dave anymore
0: it was as if he was on autopilot i killed shane dave told Shelley. Her mouth dropped to the floor. You did what? You killed our nephew? Why? He she had, didn't know? She had been asking him over and over and over, over six months, like over yeah. every day. And he finally did it. And then she was like, you did what? Killed our nephew? Yeah. Acting like she never
1: Um, I'm anything. sorry. No, you did know because you asked him to do it. Begged him practically, I'm sure. He
0: couldn't believe her. Like... Yeah. Psycho. What are we going to do now, she asked. We're going to do the same thing we did with Kathy. <sighs> Burn him and put his remains in the ocean. Shelley liked the idea. It worked six months ago.
1: Yeah, for now.
0: It took all night. He burned the gun, too. He hoped the fire would melt the stock. But no luck. Dave gathered what was left of the murder weapon and Shelly put it in the back of a cupboard. And that was that.
1: Mm.
0: Shelly and Dave were held on multi-million dollar bonds and faced a litany of charges. Dave was sentenced to 15 years in prison after he pled down his first degree murder charge for killing Shane Watson to a second degree murder charge. Oh, wow. No idea how that happened? Yeah, How? Pacific County prosecutors told the victims' families they couldn't win with a first-degree murder charge against Shelley. There was no body for Kathy, and an autopsy of Ron couldn't prove how exactly he had been injured or by whom. The condition of the body was just too bad. 10 months after Shelley's arrest, she had entered an Alford plea of guilty to the charges. This means that she is pleading guilty due to the amount of evidence, but she is still maintaining her innocence. It also serves as a way to avoid going to a trial that would surely lead to a conviction. Mm -hmm. Two months later, Shelly Notek appeared at her sentencing, looking ragged and beat down. No one from her family attended in support. She spoke to the court before she was sentenced. In this jail and in this courtroom and in this community and everywhere else, I'm known as some kind of monster. I'm not. You are. I've made (laughs) such horrible mistakes, though. Kathy was my friend. She had value. She had purpose. She would have been there for me. I wasn't there for her a lot. I was not there when Kathy died. Not there for her. I believe I am not guilty of murder, of deliberately causing her death, but a mother is the most responsible for her home environment. She was mistreated in my home, and now she's gone. I'll never get over it, and I don't deserve to. Shelley placed the blame on Shane and Nikki, claiming the teenagers had been Kathy's abusers. No. Shelley was shocked. That her words made no impact on the sentencing judge. Instead (laughs) of giving her sympathy, he added more years to her sentence. Thank God. But not enough. Yeah. (laughs) She was sentenced to over 22 years, five more than she agreed to, for the second degree murder of Kathy Loreno and the manslaughter charge of Ron Woodsworth. She wasn't charged at all for Mac. Are you serious? It was an accident. Like, no one could prove anything. Oh, my God. Dave Notek was released from prison in 2016, and as of 2019, works at a seafood processing plant on the Washington coast. He maintains a relationship with his daughters, Tori and Sammy. Nikki can't bring herself to forgive him, which he understands. Dave says he has never stopped feeling remorse for his part in this horrible story and never will. All three daughters are very successful doing what they love with the people they love. They have families and are still very close with each other. The three of them agreed they would never speak to the media, but as their mother's release date neared, they agreed it was important to make their story known. Mm Mm-hmm shelly notek will be released from prison in june of 2022 she'll be 68.
1: great i'm so excited to hear more stories about how she's fucking killed somebody else because this is not this is not like a one-time or two-time thing her entire life she has been like this it's
0: habitual Sammy is particularly worried that Shelley would do it again, given the opportunity. Mm -hmm. Even claiming that her mother was allegedly found to be controlling and manipulating cellmates in prison. I'm sure, to the extent that she was no longer allowed to share a cell. I'm
1: sure she. I'm sure that that all of that happened.
0: If she ever turns up on my doorstep. I can just see myself locking all my doors and barricading myself in the bathroom to call the police. She says along with wanting to warn others about their mother, Sammy and her sisters hope people will take courage from their story of survival.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: My source, as I said at the top was a book by Greg Olson called if you tell, and if you want to hear even more detail, which I gave, an excruciating amount of detail but there is like 10 times more um if you want to hear more details about this case you should definitely read the book if you tell that's my story
1: oh my god that was really good i still cannot believe that they murdered shane or dave murdered shane i know so i was not expecting that one
0: at all like, everyone, all the kids except for Nikki thought that he had actually ran away. But Nikki knew he'd yeah. inside because she told about, she told on him about the pictures. She yeah. knew. Oh, no. Oh, my God. And a lot of people, like, blame them for not, like, coming forward. But they're, like, kids. They're kids. They don't, I
1: mean, yeah. I, I don't place any blame on the kids at all
0: i mean even after they were adults and left the house like they're so traumatized at that point it's it take it's a process to get to the point where you can say something it's not like you're just like an outsider looking in yeah exactly so i i don't and that's like all they've known their entire lives i
1: know oh my god i really i cannot believe dave i'm
0: sorry dave You suck. (laughs) He was just, like, a sad sap who just, like, tried to distance himself from her. And, like, I think he tried to do good and he just tried to be good for her because he was just, like, under a spell. I mean, he did bad things, but I don't think... I don't think deep down inside he's, like, a bad person. I think he just, like, got caught up in in her. Yeah. But that's, that's no excuse, of course.
1: Well, uh... I don't know like even after he because at one point you said that he was like kind of done with her like why did he stay I guess why did any of them stay I, I mean, don't maybe know. the
0: kids maybe the kids, the kids. Tori yeah. he didn't want to leave Tori alone yeah and... that's true he had more know.
1: reason to stay than any of the other people had but oh my god Dude, poor Kathy, poor Ron, poor Mac.
0: And poor Shane. And
1: Shane. Oh my God. How could I forget? <laughs> I can't believe that he didn't run away to Alaska. You you pulled he one over on to. me.
0: <laughs> like Nikki was, they were about to, like he was about to go to the police with these pictures. He. Ha- oh, mm. P.S. They never found the pictures. They could never find the pictures. Oh, really? I don't know where they were. But the police did find rolls of film like that that had never been developed of um, Kathy. Oh, of her like naked and crawling. Why was she taking pictures? Because she's a sick individual, like a truly sick individual. That's like a step further. How could someone do this? How? How, how, how? That's
1: what I am just your own children. First of all, you have a baby
0: and you leave it with somebody for three months and then a year. There were also some parts I just like completely left out because I was like, I don't want to talk about that. Oh my God.
1: So, so read the book people. I can't believe that was crazy. That was crazy. And she's crazy. And I cannot believe she's going to be let out into the public again in a month.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Dave, for doing such a great job destroying the bodies that you're psychotic wife is going to be released from prison um in t-minus like less than less a month, month. yeah can't wait so everyone keep an eye out for shelly notech um, especially if
1: you live in washington
0: and also if you are vulnerable in any way shape or form just like you know what stay in your house don't talk to a redhead lady or a white-haired lady
1: yeah None of them.
0: Or any lady whatsoever.
1: (laughs) No, ladies. Just stay away from ladies. (laughs)
0: You know what? Just pop on Netflix. Just, like, enjoy yourself. Take care of yourself. Yeah. (laughs) Don't ever decide to move in with... You know what? Mallory. All right. So, I find it a red flag if anyone is, like, too helpful. Uh... If anyone is, like, just, like, too eager to help are very helpful, I, like, immediately, I'm like, fuck this shit. Yeah. For example, when I was at the airport, I had to go um, to the the ride share area Mm -hmm. to get an Uber back home. Mm Mm-hmm. And there were these like guys out there that were like, Hey, do you need an Uber? Um, you can just like come in my Uber. Yeah. And I was just like, the no. fuck, that's not how Uber works. That's son? not how Uber works. That's scary. I don't like that. And they were just like asking everyone and everyone's like, no. Yeah. That's not how it works. Um I <laughs> there was an older couple too that was just like, Oh yeah, um, here's our address and he's like, Hey, how about I do it like ten dollars less than Uber? And it was just like weird, yeah. I mean, they weren't even—they
1: had the Uber thing in their car, but yeah, but they weren't doing anything. They weren't
0: doing it through the app. And you know, there's been so many Uber murders lately.
1: Yes, I when I was in Fort Lauderdale. Um, we had a driver that was like, oh, I have to go this different way because the road's closed. And I was like, oh my God, we're about to get killed. <laughs> oh, it turned man. out the road was
0: actually closed. <laughs> but oh, yeah. I immediately was just like, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> but the entire time I was waiting for my Uber, I was like watching these guys and like watching, and this older couple seemed like they were about to go with them. And I was about to go over there and be like, no, don't, don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. I was like, you are going to be, Robbed or dead, or like, I know. Oh my god, that's so scary. But in reality, they probably were just like kicked off Uber and were trying to make extra money, like, illegally. But
1: probably that's probably all the motivation was. But it's
0: still scary, sketchy because there's no like tracking of it, you know, right? Like, they're just gone, they're just with this guy. He's not a registered cab or a registered Uber, he's just a guy, man. Yeah. You know. Yep, that's so true. Oh my god, oh, man, it's so scary. So basically, just don't trust anyone who seems really nice because they are just full of shit. Mhm. Mhm. Because no one needs to be that nice.
1: Yeah. There's a There's a limit to the niceness. If they're too nice,
0: it's a no for me, bro. <laughs>
1: that's a no for <laughs> me. Trying to dog. come up with a
0: rhyme. <laughs> oh my god. I have to pee again. So, should we just say farewell? Yeah, I think so. Tell them where they can find us and what to do, Mouse. Yo,
1: you can find <laughs> us on Facebook. We have a Facebook group, Rabbit Hole Happy Hour. On Instagram, at Rabbit Hole Happy Hour. Twitter, we're not super active, but you can find us at Rabbit Hole HH Pod. And then, please... Um, Rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You don't have to write anything for Spotify, but we would love it if you did write something on Apple Podcasts um, and left a review. And then if you have any suggestions for any future cases, like we, we took a suggestion this time, mm-hmm. um, please email us or you can even DM us or comment, you know, whatever. Um, but our email is rabbitholehappyhour at gmail.com.
0: So good night and good luck. We love you. Okay, bye. (laughs) Bye.